Where are we going? Welcome to this exclusive podcast produced by Spirit Watch Ministries that will show where life in our darkening times is now turning and how you can avoid the detours of deception through the hope of biblical truth. The Lord Jesus in Matthew 24 warned us over two millennia ago and how urgently we need to heed him now. Our host is Pastor Rafael Martinez, a seasoned Northwest Indiana-based minister, intercessor, and counter-cult apologist who will help you discern the journey of change we're all on as the last day of the last days now winds down. For more information, check out our Facebook page and our website at spiritwatch.org. Now. Here's Pastor Raphael. Hello, I'm Raphael Martinez. I'm a minister within the Church of God Cleveland Movement and the director of Spirit Watch Ministries. It's a Christian outreach that provides biblical discernment in a time of deception. The podcast you're listening to now is what we call, Where Are We Going? People are asking that kind of question more and more in our conflicted and confusing times. And, and increasingly, I think all of us are bewildered and wondering at just where things are headed. We've not touched on our take on many current events or hot-button issues, but as we've always asserted, Scripture provides for us the clearest answers for such questions. You can truly trust the Bible for them. And in its pages, we read that Jesus said definitively, when asked of his disciples that kind of question, that we should all take heed and no one deceive you. So Spirit Watch Ministries has been contending for the truth about where we are going since 1993, and I'm thankful to have the privilege to bring in what insight we can bring to it. We offer biblical perspectives on our deceptive times of trouble that you just won't find anywhere else. And again, we want to welcome all of our new listeners that from Google, Spotify, and Amazon who've come by. Thanks for stopping by, and we hope you'll bookmark and return to us again. Now, we've decided to start producing two episodes a week due to the great need we've deserved for dual exposés on two very controversial movements in the Buckeye State of Ohio. Our last release was this past Wednesday, June 29th, with our interview with Oliver Long, a former leader of the Xenos Dwell Movement in Columbus, about the tender mercies of spiritual oppression that those who struggle with emotional and psychological challenges face when submitting themselves to the so-called counseling of Xenos itself. This has been one of many we've produced since our ministry's foray there to help produce an upcoming documentary last December. This week, we're continuing our original expose work on the existence of another abusive movement in the state, that being the Gladstone community just outside Cincinnati. We gave an all-too-brief summary of the history and structure of this movement. Uh, we made uh, a uh, brief uh, discussion of that last week. And again, to recap, uh, it's made up of just over 100 or so individuals who are mostly young men, women, and families with a few children. The Gladstone community is now known as the Madison Place Community Church. The communal lifestyle and the zealous commitment that Gladstone members exhibited in their intensely intimate relationships and living arrangements seem to many idealistic young Christian adults to be a 21st century manifestation of first century Christian living. It seemed most refreshing, most unorthodox, and indeed quite, quite uh, inspiring to see. For their part, Gladstone loves to remind visitors, and itself quite frequently, that they take seriously the New Testament accounts of the early church's shared lifestyle, and they challenge their peers and prospective recruits in the churches all around to find other people like them of such like-mindedness. This brash humility of the Gladstones leading elder Zach Kaczynski, among others, about this very concept has actually won quite a hearing among many in the region. It's also impressed local churches and several parachurch ministries to provide support for them over the years, although that's been slowly curtailing as of late, and for good reason, as you've heard in our last podcast about, and we'll learn more of today. See, in Gladstone's sharing with one another, you can hear the wisdom of Christian apologist C.S. Lewis, uh, the writings of contemporary pastor Francis Chan, and the example of, of steadfast faith under fire, such as the communist imprisoned minister Richard Wormbrand, and others. Everything about their study, their energy, and their devotion to helping local church parachurch ministries, as we've mentioned, uh, and offering spiritual support and direction to all who seek it from them, has indeed helped it gain quite a reputation in Southwest Ohio of being a shining light of truth. And for the years to, from 2007 through 2014, 
Gladstone's reputation soared. It truly seemed to be doing what Jesus commanded the church to do. And during those seven years of feasts, as I would call them, so many Christian leaders in ministry around the area where Gladstone emerged back in 2007 became caught up by their avowed passion for Christian evangelism, world missions, and restoration ministry without ever really seeing what was behind their closed doors. So on today's podcast, we've invited another former member of Gladstone to help us get more perspective on what really does go on there, behind those doors. It's a painfully all-too-familiar story, but it's a unique chapter in the life of a destructive cult that he will help bring to the light. We're gonna reap what we've sown Cause His light shines on our darkness But what really troubles me Is what the seed may be When it has grown Welcome to our virtual Spirit Watch Ministry Studios. I hope your time in our virtual green room was refreshing and that you enjoyed the snacks and cold drinks. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, great. We, we love how we've done the place up. You know, all these nice, bright red satin and uh, nice, you know, chandeliers. Just a kind of an oob, you know, like a... <laughs> so, um, glad you can enjoy it. And delight we, we met as well. I appreciate you taking the time today. In all seriousness, to stop by and, 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 and unpack uh, and then a tragically twisted tale regarding the Gladstone uh, community that, that I, from what I understand you were, you were quite involved with so how long were you actually involved with them and it seems that you and Scott uh, who was our last guest uh, joined about the same time yeah so I got involved with Gladstone it was about 2012 and I was there until the end of 2018 so all in all it ended up being just just over or around six years okay so it was, it was during that time uh, that uh, and again this, this is of course a few years after Gladstone already been established they started uh, by uh by Zach's own um, his own biography in which he shares, as well as uh, what's already, what is well known about it, is that uh, he began the community as a group, a small group of young men who were living in an apartment together in Marymount, Ohio, and that this this was a Bible study that they really felt was something that was to be used to really live in a Christian marriage as fully as they could, and they and they really committed themselves to it. And it seemed to be something of really from the heart, uh, and, and it really attracted a lot of people. And that, uh, and those are years, of course. Like I said, you weren't there at that point. I'm, uh, but um, uh, what was going on in your life, in your own life before you actually uh, uh, met with them? How did you get involved actually directly with them? So in 2012, I am originally from Toledo, Ohio. And in 2012, I went to Cincinnati to be a part of a Christian uh, residential treatment program um, because I, I had, out of high school, uh, got pretty bad into drugs and alcohol. Okay. Um, and so at, at that point in my life in 2012, early 2012, um, I had kind of hit uh, a crossroads in my life and I, and I wanted some help. So I went to a treatment facility, uh, called Teen Challenge Cincinnati, which, um, is, is right outside Cincinnati, not too far from where, uh, Gladstone community is now. Um, they, they aren't affiliated, um, in any way. Um, but there, there were, um, people who had graduated from the treatment program that eventually transitioned into living mm -hmm. uh, as members of the community. Um, mm -hmm. 
So that's, that's kind of what was going on with me and, and around the time that, that I got involved there. Um, uh, a young man who had graduated from Teen Challenge several years earlier and had become a member of Gladstone recently, uh, had just had it on his heart that he wanted to reach out, um, and invite, uh, men from, from the, the program from Teen Challenge to their Thursday night Bible study. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Uh, I attended and, and it was, it was a very great experience. They're very, uh, very welcoming and, um, the teaching was really good. The, the music was very heartfelt and, and it just, it, it, it was a really great experience. So I, I continued to go whenever, whenever the opportunity uh, right. was, was given. What was the draw like? I mean, what, what what was I mean? Yeah, okay. So you had Bible study and everything there, but uh, the music and, and it just seemed like a very pleasant experience. But what, what really drew you up to that next level of commitment where you actually uh, came into uh, a living association with them? Yeah. So I was in the Team Challenge program for about nine months altogether. It's very uh, very intensive program. Great program. Uh, when I graduated there, I was looking for what's the next thing, uh, to do in my life. And, and while I was there in Team Challenge, I had had a very, uh, a very real conversion experience where, uh, for the first time as an adult, cause I grew up in church, but for the first time as an adult, I actually committed my life to Jesus and, and believed wholeheartedly in the gospel. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I wanted to, you know, I just, as a, as a young man, I was like 24. Um, you know, I wanted to do whatever God wanted me to do. I wanted mm-hmm. to go wherever he would send me. I wanted to serve whoever he wanted me to serve. Um, and it just seemed like the door opened up um, for me to, continue growing, you know, in, in being able to, um, serve and love the Lord in, in being a member of the Gladstone community. So I think what really draw me in, drew me in was just how intentional and sincere they were. Um, it, it didn't feel like the kind of, church experience where you walk in and, and it feels like everyone's putting on their Sunday face, mm, you know, yeah. it felt like they were real all the time uh, because who they were when I met up with them in their house was who they were when they were, you know, leading a small group or, you know, participating in a Bible study. So it was, it was kind of that genuine, the genuineness and they were all, around my age. Um, so that was pretty exciting to me as well. Cause I didn't see a lot of young people in their twenties, um, that were so sincere about following Jesus. Mm-hmm. So th- that was kind of the big, the big thing. Right. And that was, uh, you know, again, uh, certainly, a certainly understandable and, and powerful influence. I mean, uh, Scott, who we interviewed was a, he was a lonely man in deep personal need who, who sought, you know, caring relationships with good moral people and, and you and many other people, uh, you know, came from church and other walks of life, seeking direction and meaning and, and, uh, and many were people in crisis, struggling with great personal challenges and, uh, and were, were seeking to, you know, line their life up in on a more solid foundation, and, and you found that, and 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 then encountered this this regimented community rule, and everybody just seemed so real, and uh, so uh, so uh, so that was basically how how you how you perceived uh, Zach and the leadership of Gladstone, is that right? And then they all seemed to be like very authentic, uh, very um, very real people. Yeah, definitely. And, and I think, um, yeah, I mean, it, it was just something uh, I'll emphasize this too. It was something I had never experienced before having mm-hmm. grown up in church and, and attended, you know, several different churches. 
um, you know, even as an adult, you know, just kind of searching, um, in life. And, and I had never quite experienced a group that was so unified in, in heart. You know, they, they all had such, such a fervor for the Lord. And, and the way that I knew that wasn't just because they, raise their hands during worship or something like that. But the way I knew that was because they reached out to me and loved and cared for me, even in what I was going through mm-hmm. in, in the difficulties that I was going through in life. They treated me as if uh, wow. all of the, all of the things I had done in my past that I was ashamed of and had led me up to that point in my life. Like none of that mattered in our relationship because of Jesus. And, and I just had never really experienced that kind of, um, just that level of living out the gospel and, and, and being cared for in that way. So there was a very broad inclusiveness, of course. They were very accepting, very open. And, uh, that's something that, you know, that seemed to like really, really resonate with a lot of people these days. I mean, I think people are looking for for authenticity. They're looking for transparency, and they're looking for people they can they can believe in and and, and be a part of. And that was apparently what you found. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, so as you got involved, and um, then from you know from in, from what I understand in 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 researching and talking to a lot of different people. It's about this time uh, that uh, at, at the same time that uh, not all was actually very well. I mean, there was a, there was a point at which uh, the cooperation that Gladstone had been enjoying with the Marymount Community Church and 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 the other church, that I believe it's called the North the North Star uh, Vineyard Church. Those churches had actually been a big part of helping uh, the Gladstone community uh, really get together and, and really assemble. Um, but about the time he came in, uh, from what I understand, that the, 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 the church, um, uh, the Gladstone movement was actually worshiping with the Marimont uh, Community Church uh, as one congregation every week. And that, and that in 2013, though, that seemed actually, um, dissipate uh it's it's it ceased suddenly that year uh can you maybe give any insight on that yeah so that yeah when when i first started uh attending gladstone services their main bible study was on thursday nights and it was in a building that was owned by marymont uh community church and um, they kind of cycled on and off between having their own Sunday services in various locations. Um, but eventually, um, they did have joint services where the, the Marymount Community Church and Gladstone Community Church, um, shared the same building and, you know, we, we did Sunday service together. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you're right. Uh, in about 2013 um the the only thing that was going on at the time that that could relate was there was a discussion over gladstone's doctrine on divorce and remarriage Mm -hmm. and and what the bible says about those things Mm -hmm. and uh I believe people from Gladstone were actually confronting members of Marymount Community Church that they thought were uh, living in contradiction to the beliefs of Gladstone. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it kind of stirred things up a little bit. And so the elders of MCC and the elders of Gladstone um, kind of had their own separate meetings and then they had joint meetings and then they had question and answer services with the congregation. Um, and, and essentially they weren't able to come to an agreement on how to live out these things practically. Right. And 
so I believe that that is what led to eventually there being uh, a split where Gladstone started doing their own Sunday services instead of having having the joint right. services with MCC. Right, and it seemed to be arising from a very stiffening of uh, Gladstone's authority in terms of exercising doctrinal uh, belief and and practical teaching and ex- expectation of Gladstone people to to abide by it. And um, uh, from what I understand, the, the doctrine they taught was basically teaching that if you had been divorced and remarried, that um, if you had been you had not done so uh, for for only one cause, and that was for adultery, then you were basically living in sin. And it actually, you actually couldn't uh, remarry at all, regardless whether, whether you're innocent of, of the adultery or in, infidelity at all. And that they felt that remarriage was actually uh, an, an actual uh, sin, an actual moral failure, and, and a disobedience to Christ's teachings. And that became... A uh, pretty heavy thing, and and, and that was a basically a a pretty big um, stick <laughs> that Gladstone actually began wielding within the congregation, from what I understand. Yeah, no, that that's that's a pretty accurate uh, description of of what they believe. Um, I, I I believe that that definitely. Um, cause some some waves between the two congregations for sure. Right. Now at this point, one of the other doctrinal distinctives that Gladstone's really most known for is their common purse doctrine in which basically you know everyone is is giving their their means uh their and even down to their property and their income into a common account, a common purse as it's called and everyone's given a stipend every month to live by. That's something Scott referred to, and, and he also shared how he, he gave quite generously, and, and everybody else was, of course, expected to abide by that. And um, so, I mean, and, and that's, you know, that's that's not an issue whatsoever. You know, people can choose living the way they want to, and that's, that's certainly within the bounds of, of conscience. But uh, what seems troubling in everything I've read and everything I've, I've heard is that at, at that point, though, uh, by by that year, uh, aside from the common purse and and the the, the doctrinal divorce, uh, differences of, of divorce, Gladstone already started to assert a, a pretty heavy-handed uh, form of authority uh, over over all its um, over its members, and that this authority actually became quite uh, quite manipulative, and that, and that it was and that was something that had had begun to really advance. Uh, by that point, was that something that you saw there uh, as part of your experience there? Yeah, I think the the word that I would use to describe what was happening during that period would be elitism. It, it seemed as though during that time period, um, they they really dug in, in in their doctrine and their theology, and and believed. And and so did I, as a member of the community, believed that the things that community were teaching were it was the correct way and and the only way to interpret the Bible. Um, there there wasn't really basically it was us versus anyone who disagreed with us is is how it felt. Yeah. Um, you also had this sense of. Um, like it was your duty to correct the theology of other Christians or other churches um, because that's what would be loving in Christ to do would be to confront people who are wrong and mm-hmm. to correct them. Um, and, and so that whole philosophy, and of course this is a bunch of young 20 somethings that have not gone to Bible college or been <laughs> Uh, affiliated with any major church denominations. Not that those things are necessary, but, mm-hmm. uh, looking back on it, it certainly has a, has a certain smell of, um, you know, going in the wrong direction at that point. Right. And, and in our past conferences, or conference, uh, past conversations, uh, you had shared with me the fact that, you know, on paper, you know, church governance looked pretty, 
pretty sound. I mean, they, they had a plurality of elders who were nominated by a congregation, so it seemed as if the congregation had a say in, in leadership there, uh, in regards to that. But, uh, you know, but, but, that, but it seems to me from what, from, again, from what we're hearing that, that, that was, that was hardly the case at all, was it? Uh, I'm sorry, you, you broke up a little bit there. Okay. Let me, let me rephrase the question here. Let me, I'll, I'll Give me, let me get a little room to talk because I'll edit this out. I'll try to rephrase it. Okay. We were discussing in, in past conversations that, um, on paper, uh, you, you, you observed that, um, within Gladstone, that church governance through a plurality of, of elders who were nominated by our congregation seemed to assure that uh you know that that you know that rule within within the within the glass community was was pretty you know pretty democratic pretty pretty orderly and 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 pretty equal you know and that uh that it seemed that as if that was a very um you know very balanced way of leading by 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 committee uh, but that wasn't really the case, was it? Uh, it seemed that from what i what you told me Zach really did pull the strings on anything that was decided. Yeah, it, it it definitely had um, the appearance, if you were an outsider and you were just, like, looking into the church, that, yeah, I mean, it, the elders did everything as a group. There was, I believe there was, like, four or five of them uh, in in 2012 when when I joined. Mm-hmm. Um, but after, after being there um, and... And developing more of a relationship with Zach, uh, you could just tell that um, that that Zach was the guy in charge. Um, he he was the one that would come up with the majority of like the doctrines that um, that that everyone would focus on, and 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 you could also tell, you know, the other elders would just essentially repeat things that you had heard Zach say, mm-hmm. you know, and, and repeat the things that Zach would, would have taught. And, and on top of that, most of these guys were, most of the elders were people that Zach directly discipled and, and brought up in the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so it, it, you know, even though like they were all nominated and, you know, elected by the congregation is very clear that they were all trained by Zach. Mm-hmm. Right. And that the, the direction of, uh, and that the, um, the, the, the nomination of them for election was, was hardly ever going to be in doubt because they were, they were going to be appointed. Uh, simply because of the fact that, that, uh, they were, um, viewed in that high, in that high regard. Right. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and I mean, once, if, if the congregation got the feeling that, um, you know, that, that whoever was nominated was given the seal of approval from Zach, then, you know, no one was really going to contest that. Mm-hmm. Um, they did have like, uh, meetings where, the whole community would gather and discuss, you know, the nomination and um, any concerns that they had, but rarely did anyone share any concerns. It was right. usually just confirmation. Right. I think you remember one one reminiscence you gave is that there there was someone that once accused Zach of spiritual pride. And uh, that was a story that you told me, and I was wondering if you, maybe you could uh, tell me how that, that came about. What happened there? Yeah, so I wasn't actually here for this uh, event, but uh, it was described to me by Zach. So I imagine he would have told me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, But anyways, there was, uh, I mean, everyone was in their early 20s at this point. So this guy was older. He may have been in his early 30s at the time. And he was a member of the North Star Vineyard when um, the community was attending that church on Sundays. Mm-hmm. 
So very early on, this this guy who is a member of North Star Vineyard, um, you know, was uh, you know attracted to this group of young believers that had a Thursday night Bible study, um, and eventually North Star Vineyard and Gladstone parted ways, and Gladstone went out on their own and started doing their own Sundays. And this gentleman also went along with them and left the North Star Vineyard. Mm-hmm. Um, at, at some point, it may have been like shortly after they had left the North Star Vineyard, this gentleman um, actually went to Zach and said, you know, I, I think, you know, you're, you're young and you're, you know, leading a lot of people and, you know, some of the things that you say and some of your behaviors and stuff, it, it appears to me like you're falling into spiritual pride. And Zach did, did not take that very well. Um, even, even in his own recollection of the story, he did not consider it with humility. He considered it as an attack. Mm-hmm. And, uh, immediately went out to then, you know, counter attack and say, no, this guy just wanted, you know, the power control, you know, he wanted to be an elder or whatever. And he was the one in spiritual pride and they, they obviously couldn't reconcile, uh, you know, (laughs) both, both of them calling the other out in spiritual pride. And both of them believing that that wasn't true, they ended up just parting ways. And yeah. that guy had a family, um, and they lived right there in the middle of, you know, Grace Avenue, where most of the houses were at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, but they they parted ways over it. Yeah. And you know, it's, you could now you might say, of course, that uh, I don't know, maybe that's just one person, one incident. Of course, this this, this guy may really have an issue. Maybe, he may really had spiritual problems. Of he may have just been jealous of Zach. But uh, but uh, again, from from what I'm hearing and what I'm seeing, you know, that that doesn't sound like a, like that's really an an isolated instance in which Zach displayed certainly some very questionable. Um, uh, behavior of his own, uh, that seemed to be, uh, it seems to be a pattern with, within, within Gladstone in which, in which he exercises authority in such a way that is, as not just elitist as you point out, but actually shows that it, it's quite, uh, quite, uh, damaging, quite coercive. And that it seems to be something that, that goes on on a regular basis. Do you, do you, do you see something like that actually going on there? Yeah, I mean, it, it's, I, I mean, really the unspoken rule of community is it's Zach's way or the highway. You know, if, if Zach wants something done a certain way, it, it gets done that way. You mm-hmm. know, even in the practical matters, even coming outside of the spiritual matters, you know, he's also, you know, the elders are the overseers of not just the spiritual health of the congregation, but all of the physical property of the congregation right. and the upkeep of that property and all that stuff. And, you know, I was <clears throat> actually just uh, joking around with my wife the other day about some things. She's also a former member of Gladstone. And she <laughs> was talking about how when she lived there, uh, the house she lived in had had a, a leak uh, in their bathroom or mold, I'm sorry, it was mold in their bathroom for several months. And they kept asking Zach, because my wife worked closely with Zach at the time, she kept asking Zach if someone could come and take a look at it and fix the problem. And and it took months to get done. Um, but as, as soon as uh, I think Zach's house had his basement flood, they did a full remodel of his basement. Hmm. You know, so it's just kind of like, <clears throat> it, it kind of seems, especially now from the outside looking back, uh, that Zach kind of lived by his own rules, not by the rules he necessarily would set out for others. Right. Right. 
And that's certainly something that, again, goes back to what you've mentioned regarding, regarding, uh, elitism. You know, uh, there's definitely a, in any, in any questionable movement, there develop, there develops a classism, uh, a, 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 a stratum of people, those who are in charge and those, those who aren't, and, and generally those who aren't are pretty much at the mercy and the beck and call of those who, who are. And, and that certainly sounds to me like, the, uh, you know, proof of that sort of thing. Uh, uh, for what I understand, you know, also things that, you know, the, 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 the direction of, of the group at that point, like I said, was being entirely dominated by Zach and, and from what I gather, uh, they, it just was not the way it was to begin with. I mean, it was, it was that plurality of elders that were working together. And it suddenly flipped and became where where he really was in charge. I mean, during the time you were there, I mean, what 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 as you as you joined and got involved uh, and and started seeing some of this and started observing some of that, uh, what were some of the things that you know uh, you know began to really not quite add up? I mean, that's my classic question I ask to my to all my guests, but um, everyone joins a move. Nobody goes out to join a cult. They, you know. They join, right, they join a movement that they believe is going to uplift them and, you know, and help improve the world. And, and, I, and, um, from all indications, Gladstone certainly set out that way and became something entirely different. Um, and, and so at what point did you start is seeing through what you idealistically saw was a great place to be? And what were some of the things that really started connecting with you and started showing that, that things, as I say, quite, aren't quite adding up? Yeah, so it was really the last year that I was there. So end of 2017 through the end of 2018 uh-huh. that I really uh, began to notice. And, and it's due in large part because I had, um, spent a significant amount of time away from the community uh, due to some, some issues that I, I had to deal with. Mm-hmm. But um, in, in my time away, I, I main, maintained contact with them and, and, and was able to visit them regularly. And, um, but I wasn't living there. And so during that time, you know, I wasn't going to their Sunday services. I wasn't going to their Thursday night Bible studies. I wasn't going to their, you know, weekend get togethers and, you know, discipleship groups and, you know, all the various things where you're constantly hearing, you know, the same doctrine pushed over and over again. Um, mm-hmm. so I was really just, you know, myself and, and a few other mature believers that, that I could find myself around and my Bible. And, you know, so I just studied the word and, and talked with other believers and tried to share my faith while I was away from the community. And then when I went back, um, I think it was like a shock. It was like a big shock to me hmm. because I think having spent so much time just being able to read the Bible without somebody else's interpretation put on top of it or, or the social pressure of, Oh, I know what the right answer is to this because I've heard it before mm-hmm. and, and just being able to like let the spirit speak through the word of God to me. I, I went back and things just did not look the same to me. Right. And for a while, I thought it was something was wrong with me. I was like, I must just be in sin. There's something clouding my judgment. I've got pride. I've got, you know, whatever. I just assumed there was something wrong with me um, and and why things looked uh, not the way they should be and not how they used to be. And it, it took me actually quite a bit of time to process through this stuff and figure out what was going on and what what I came to to find is that the initial thing that drew me into the community the the thing that I 
that led me to believe that these people were serious about their walk with Jesus. You know, their, their genuine love and care for each other and for the unbeliever had almost entirely disappeared and it had been replaced with this rigid works based, um, you know, just way of, way of life that imitated a loving life, right. but it lacked that sincerity. And you could just tell that something in the heart had shifted. Right. And, right. and it, it was, it was terrifying. It yeah. really was. Wow. And, and again, that's what, that's very, you know, you mentioned that because that's something other ex-members we spoke with have mentioned the same thing. There was a, there was a shifting. There was a point at which, uh, you know, there, there, there was, um, a direction, a, an, an actual change in the community that, that occurred that, 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 that from that point on really led it into that direction and then that, it took you just a little bit of break of time and focus on it to really actually come out and actually recognize it. And I, wow, I can just, man, that certainly would be an, un, an unnerving thing to come back and, re- and say to yourself, wow, I'm involved with this. Wow. That's just unbelievable. I mean, that's just, yeah. and that really had to be a, a truly terrifying time. I can understand that. So, um, yeah, well, I mean, it, it, it just broke my heart. Because these were the people that I trusted, not just with my spiritual life, but with all the, you know, intimate details of who I was as a person. And my deepest friendships were there and my closest, you know, associate, like, you know, everybody that, that meant something to me outside of my biological family Mm -hmm. was there. And so, to yeah. see that something had shifted in their hearts as as a community, you know, it was it was very heartbreaking. Yeah, because I knew that this wasn't something I I could be a part of anymore or should be a part of anymore. Right, and I yeah. I knew the ramifications of that, what it would mean to walk away. Yeah. And that took place in Christmas in 2019. You told me, uh, what, 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 what was the final straw? I mean, what, uh, what caused that break? Uh, what, and what, what made you actually go ahead and finally make the decision to leave? Yeah. So, uh, the main motivation for me was, uh, I have a son who's 15 now and he, I, I don't have full custody of him. He mm-hmm. lives in, in Toledo. Um, and, you know, Toledo and Cincinnati are about three and a half hours apart. And so with, with how, uh, busy the schedule was in community and how far away he was from me, it made it almost impossible for us to have like a real relationship. Um, so it, it was weighing very heavily on my heart. I just knew that the Lord was calling me to be uh, more involved in his life mm-hmm. and and to father him and, and to raise him up in the Lord and be a good example. And so that drawing in my heart um, that I felt the Lord was calling me to, along with what I was seeing, you know, the shift I was seeing in community, um, eventually led me to say, I've, I've got to part ways. Mm-hmm. And right. that was, that was in the end of, of 2019. Right. And, and you also advised me that, you know, you said that, uh, I think you tried to break this with them, try to discuss it with them, and that, uh, they basically told you they, that you couldn't visit your son without someone from Gladstone going along. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they were very rigid um, with with me having, you know, uh, an, an addiction problem in in my my history. Um, they they felt like I couldn't be trusted, or that if I wasn't like under constant surveillance, that something was going to go yeah. terribly wrong. 
Um, and so, yeah, I mean, even, yeah, any visits with my family or going to see my son, they, they, they wanted me to be accompanied with by somebody else from the community. Right. And, it, and that's the exact same type of story that Scott told, uh, you know, when we spoke to him in our last podcast in which he was discussing, you know, the sickness of his mother in Michigan and that, uh, they basically compelled him, uh, to take along someone with them to make sure that they were able to, uh, of course, keep a spiritual watch over him. And that's what he eventually interpreted as being. They just, they just couldn't leave him alone and, 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 um, you know, trust him enough to go take care of his own business. They simply had to stay involved with it. And I think that says an awful lot about how Gladstone really is about, you know, monitoring, controlling, and dominating lives. Yeah, well, and I think at at the root of it is just a a, a very real misunderstanding of mm-hmm. the gospel. Yeah, you know, the, the gospel says that when when you come into Christ, you are a new creation. You know, and and they would say that, but practically they didn't believe that because mm. they they wouldn't trust people. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they would, they would assume that anybody with any recurring sin struggle, mm-hmm. if they weren't monitored, would go into it on their own. Right. And yeah. So it's like taking control out of the hands of the Holy Spirit and, and taking the reins themselves. Yeah. It, it, it truly is. It, in, in essence, in, in a place like Gladstone, I mean, the leadership, becomes the Holy Spirit. They become the voice of God. They become acting yeah. as if they are the power of God and they have the the sole charter to speak into your life and tell you who you are and what you're doing and what you're about to become and, and where you need to go you know, regardless of what you might think about it. I mean, because they only can hear God the best and, and not yourself. You can't live your own life. Um, as I've heard one cult evangelist once say uh, in, in one of his sermons, uh, I frequently am the most unqualified person to live my own life. And to watch a bunch of people in that cult, actually, I'll just enthusiastically nod to that, just really threw, <laughs> threw a whole bunch of red flags up in the whole place for me. But, but in essence, that's exactly what, how, how cult, cult movements and, uh, like that operate. They, they just cannot believe that people can be trusted to live their own lives. You know? Yeah, there's a, a verse in the book of Jeremiah that is used very frequently mm-hmm. um, in, in discipleship encounters and, and mentioned from, from the pulpit very often. Uh-huh. And it's the verse that says the heart is exceedingly wicked and deceptive above all things. And they would use that in every context. Mm. To explain the reason why you can't trust yourself, so you have to trust everybody else with your decisions. Right. You can't trust yourself to hear the Holy Spirit, so you need the group to tell you what God is saying. Right. You know, you can't trust yourself to interpret the Bible because you'll deceive yourself and twist scripture. Mm-hmm. You have to trust the leaders to tell you what scripture means. Yeah, you know, so that verse was used very frequently to right. train people to not trust themselves or their own relationship with Jesus. Right. Because, because it just didn't exist. It, it was, it was, the only relationship they could really have is something that was fostered from within the group, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, the only relationships outside of community that people were really allowed to have were very surface relationships with their family, if any. Mm -hmm. In in a lot of circumstances, people were told that their families were too toxic or too against uh, Christianity um, to to even be around them. So people would totally cut off relationships there. Mm -hmm. Um, But beyond Mm -hmm. that, the only relationships outside of community were with people that you were reaching out to. To either try to correct, you know, their path if they claim to be a Christian already, you are trying to correct something with them, 
or you were trying to recruit them. I mean, really, the, the end goal was recruitment to community, whether you were converting them to Christianity or converting them to your version of Christianity. Right. And, and that's probably one of the greatest tragedies of, of the greatest errors of a, of a place like Gladstone in which they indulge themselves in that kind of egocentric doctrine in which people are taught that they can't trust their own consciences and they can't live a life that's submitted enough to God where they can hear God's voice for themselves, even though, you know, Jesus himself said, you know, in, in uh, John chapter 14, verse 26, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. It's as if we can probably just take an eraser and scratch it out of the Bible in, in, Zach, in, in Zach's uh, own, own uh, example, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it, it, practically speaking, absolutely. Um, I mean, they're all so knowledgeable in the Bible and in doctrine and theology that you know they they would they would scoff at the things we're talking about right now. Right. But you know, I've I've lived it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Plenty yeah. of people that I know you've talked to have right. also lived it, and right. it's just it their actions just don't line up with their words when it comes to a lot of those things. You're absolutely right. Right. And, 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 and again, the, one of the greatest tragedies is, is, is like, is just what you and Scott have pointed out. They, they have, they set forth a, a doctrinal and practical example before the world about how, you know, uh, biblical and just how, uh, how just balanced they are, you know, in which they have this supposedly this this community where it's self policing and that that is where everyone's uh, basically um, you know being led of God and and working together and in such joy and intensity and 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 that everyone is just so together. This community is just so founded upon uh, centered upon God. And yet, when you look beyond their doctrine, uh, when you look beyond that 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 um, that outer doctrine to the tasty inner core of 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 a group like Gladstone, you you see something entirely different. You know, they may come off as seeming so biblical, and yet their own inner example, what they do privately behind closed doors, how they treat one another, just doesn't add up and certainly is, is certainly an, an antithesis to everything they say they believe. And, uh, that's not uncommon with groups like Gladstone. And we've certainly had a lot of discussion about other cults in our podcasts these past few months that do exactly the same thing. Wow. Incredible. So how have you, how have you been doing since you left, um, Jeremiah? What's it, what's it been like for you? You know, and how's, how have you been, been doing and handling that? And, um, I'm sure that was a great shock to you spiritually, but it sounded to me like you certainly had enough, enough of footing in scripture to not entirely be controlled of mind and heart. But that's, I mean, you had enough to, to break away. But since then, how, how have you been doing? Well, Raphael, honestly, it's it's a struggle, man. I mean, it's like a roller coaster. Yeah, <laughs> like sure. um, when when you put so much uh, unyielding trust into such you know such a belief system and and such personalities, yeah, and and the people of you know of the community, and and then you see the ugly underbelly of all that. Uh, it's pretty jarring. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's, I mean, just on an emotional level, the lack, losing all of those relationships, the deepest relationships I had ever had in my life to that point. And, and that was my whole world because the community is so self encompassed, you know, so isolated. Right. Um, to, you know, be, to leave that, um, was, was a very emotionally difficult experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's something to be said also that all throughout the process of me struggling with, should I leave? Is it God's will for me to leave? 
you know, what is the community going to think? Are they going to, you know, cast me out and, and, you know, excommunicate me forever? You know, what's going to happen? All these things that were going on because I was thinking about leaving. Whenever I would pray and ask God for guidance, uh, I would just always feel this sense that he was telling me just to trust him and that he would provide. Mm. Yeah. And so, I mean, really leaving the community was one of the biggest steps of faith that I ever took Mm -hmm. Um, because everybody there, nearly everybody, there may have been one person or two out of dozens that I spoke with when I was leaving. Um, you know, with the exception of those two people, everyone else was telling me I was making the wrong decision. Mm-hmm. It wasn't God's will for me. I would be outside of God's will. I would be prone to all kinds of various attacks from Satan, be it uh, drug addiction again or suicide or... And I mean, one of the elders told me straight to my face that he believed I was going to commit suicide if I left. <laughs> and so, I mean, all these voices telling me no. Um, but yet I, I just knew yeah. in, in my heart that the Holy Spirit was saying, you need to go. Just trust me. I will provide. So it's the biggest step of faith I've, I've ever made in my walk with the Lord. And, you know, very hard as is, Every time we step out in faith, but the Lord definitely carried through on his promise to provide. Praise God. Um, that's awesome. And, and so for me, that's an absolute confirmation that I did follow what the Lord yeah. was leading me to do. And, and I have a wonderful relationship with my son now, you know, one that I would never have had had I stayed there. Right. Um, and, and that's something that I know is, on the father's heart is to connect fathers mm-hmm. with their sons. Right. And, and so to see that relationship blooming, um, over the last few years and my relationships with my family getting stronger, um, getting married, uh, having our first child. I mean, all these wonderful things, uh, are only, only blessings from the Lord. Right. Amen to that. Did did your uh, wife leave Gladstone with you, or, or was she already out? And uh, she had left about a year prior uh, to my leaving, okay. and, and we connected uh, shortly after I left. Okay. All right. So there was there was uh, just that that draw. You know, you guys knew that uh you know that there is there's a not only just attraction but there is a connection, you know, based upon mutual experiences. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I I fully believe that the Lord led us to one another. Um and and it's it's been been a, a wonderful thing. Wow. Incredible. Well, I certainly am glad that you are one of a growing number of people who have in recent years left Gladstone. Uh, you're certainly not alone. There are many, many others who, who have drifted away and some of them have found their way to, uh, to our virtual studios to talk about things as well as, uh, email and phone calls and, uh, a lot of them post online. There's all kinds of things about Gladstone, uh, here and there. In various, uh, comment boards on articles and especially on Reddit. But what's really struck me is that, uh, you know, that there's been so little, almost virtually no media coverage at all about Gladstone's doings apart from uh, a critical article that, uh, you know, we'll have links for that on our, uh, our blog and then our, our, um, our website articles as well, as well as on the Facebook page that you can, you can look those up. We, we, we have posted them in the past, but we'll redo we'll it again. But apart from that, that's really the, the only, um, discernment of it that we've, we've ever really heard. And, uh, and we're, and we're grateful for what you're doing now to help us to start 
you know, uh, changing the tune on that. I mean, we've spent the past several months uh, dealing with the Xenos uh, Christian Fellowship, so-called, uh, church, Dwell Community Church in Columbus, Ohio, which sounds exactly like, almost like uh, a mirror of, of, of Gladstone. I mean, the, the modus operandi is the same. Both have houses and communities that they intentionally build and where, where they do all their dirty work in warping people's lives behind closed doors while they uphold their doctrine and practice as entirely blameless. And I'm glad that you've had a chance to really come by our way and share it with us. I really, I do appreciate that. And, and, uh, and in closing, I was going to say, Jeremiah, I mean, and we're really hoping this is going to happen that, you know, eventually that, uh, you know, this is going to be noise abroad and people in Gladstone are going to know about this podcast. And we're even hoping people will, uh, from that, will actually listen in. Uh, is there anything you, maybe you'd like to say? To the people of Gladstone, uh, maybe some friends you left behind, maybe you'd, maybe you'd like to speak to the elders directly, or but you know, however you feel led. Uh, is there anything you'd like to say as as, as your own personal kind of uh, uh, address to them? Anything, any exhortation you'd like, or, or, or last thoughts you'd like to share with them as we close our podcast today? Wow, that's. Uh, I mean, there's so many things that I would like to say to different people there. Um, Mm -hmm. but just, just as you were talking, I was thinking of, uh, really the, the biggest thing for me, having spent so much time there and, and had such deep relationships with people. And then the experience that I had spending time away and really kind of digging in, uh, in my relationship with the Lord personally without any outside influence um, and then coming back and being so shocked. Really my, my heart for every member and elder alike that's a part of the community is I want them to have a real genuine personal relationship with Jesus Christ because what I've experienced in my times away and outside of the community and the things that I've experienced inside of the community are just so night and day that I, I really believe that for most, maybe not all, certainly not all, um, they're missing out mm. on, on such a huge part of their relationship with Jesus and, and they don't know it. There's no way they could possibly know it while they're there. Um, I didn't know it <laughs> for many years, and, and I'm certain other people who have left would say the same. Um, but that's really what I desire for them, is I, I want them to connect with Jesus. And unfortunately, the 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 level of control and manipulation uh, that has increased over the years in, in Gladstone has really tampered down people's individuals walks with Christ. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to see that change. That's, that's the only reason why I'm speaking out now is to hopefully shed some light on what's going on so that people can, can see the light and, and come out and and be um, you know actually hear the Holy Spirit for themselves right. and actually walk with Jesus um, and not just be controlled by others in a way that makes it look really good on the outside. Right, right. And as First John chapter of uh, chapter three verse ten says, and this the children of God. And the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. You can't get any clearer than that, can you? And, uh, I, I appreciate your, your insight into what you've seen there. And, and, and Jeremiah, thank you so much for sharing this evening. It has truly been an eye-opening thing as I, as I say here quite often, uh, but I mean it. It always is to hear from the voices of those who, who need to speak to power. 
and 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 have and hopefully through our podcast we're doing just that sort of thing and enabling uh, uh folks such as you and others to actually be able to share with us light that would not be seen any other way thank you once again jeremiah of all your help this uh this evening yeah thank thank you rafael it's it's been been a pleasure to to speak with you tonight thanks for listening today as we explore just where are we going our prayer is that you have been encouraged and strengthened and if necessary challenged in your daily journey through life jesus is coming you can fall with the night or you can rise with the sun the choice is yours You can email us with questions and comments at feedback at spiritwatch.org. And if you need urgent personal spiritual help, email us at help at spiritwatch.org. We look forward to hearing from you. Please follow our podcasting at our Facebook page and our website at spiritwatch.org. This podcast is a production of Spirit Watch Ministries, taking heed that no man deceives you.